On today's episode, we get sent to our rooms, go to couples therapy, and tackle racism. All that and more coming up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Our Science. Today, I am joined by Kyle Vine. Hey there. And Ian Black. Hello. And as always, I'm your host, Alan Collier. Today, we have some lovely family-oriented papers, so why don't you <laughs> gather the kids around, curl up by the fireplace, and listen to some science. You guys good to go? Oh, that's where the, that's where the sick-ass info, intro riff would go. I don't know the intro song. Our first paper today comes from the University of Michigan and the BBC. Using timeouts to discipline children is not going to harm them or your relationship with them, suggests a new study of almost 1,400 families. Children's anxiety or aggressive behavior did not increase. In contrast, when parents said they used physical punishment, children became more aggressive. My initial hot take after reading this was, you should give your kids timeouts. But I think what it actually boils down to is that it's just simply not bad to give them timeouts. They're not necessarily harmful. It's not harmful to give your kid a timeout, which is for years what people have said because people are terrible to parents always and always judgmental. <laughs> but it doesn't hurt your kid to give them a timeout. However, if you want to give them a timeout and actually have them learn from the experience, there's a right way to do it. Yeah. This is exactly the method of punishment I had growing up, like down to be, them being like very like authoritative but warm. Yes, that was. I really like that they specified that later on. Yeah, only, only, yeah. only doing it when there was like a reason to do it, and specifically, my timeout was a timeout step, which is what they even bring up here as an example. So you had a naughty step. Which step was it? It was the first step. <gasps> In which room? That way, I could hear all of the fun stuff happening. Oh, the the stair. There's in which room? It was. There's only like like was it like stairs to like stairs, stairs to the upstairs. Stairs to upstairs. Okay. The stairs to upstairs is the first step. And the step the steps in our house aren't in a room, they're in like the hallway, the main entry hallway. So you mm -hmm. can hear all the fun stuff happening, but you can't be a part of it. <laughs> the first step being the lowest, right? Yeah. And how old were you? Like generally? Oh, this was last week, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's recording this from the naughty step. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I this is like back when I was, you know, like three or four or five years okay, old. Okay, like... okay. Because the first step was the worst because you don't have any like you can't, there's no leg space. Like your legs just have to like splay out in front of you. That's awful. No, I wasn't like a teenager. Yeah, okay, that's what I was. Well, I mean, even like at like six, I would think. I don't know. How long do you think your legs were at six? I've seen six-year-old recently. Their legs are like the size of like spaghetti noodles. <laughs> that's more of a girth, I think, than a length. I mean, spaghetti noodles can <laughs> also, be quite long. Uh, what kind of spaghetti noodles are you getting? Are we talking like, like straight up spaghetti, linguine? Like some spaghettini, because like that's even that's even that's even. Oh, thinner. spaghettini's even. Yeah, no, I'm thinking spaghettini. That's even worse. I at least give him a fettuccine like. Kind of, kind of flat. If your kids walking around with legs that look like spaghettini, you've got bigger issues than the naughty step. The shape of legs wasn't that wasn't that an Oscar winner? <laughs> or was that the shape of water? <laughs> uh um, I did notice the naughty step being mentioned. I, I that was I had no context on that. I just got sent to my room. Like a, I had the classic. I thought the way they did this study was also like fairly comprehensive when I got into it in a little more detail. Cause like they weren't just, oh, yeah, there's a study. I mean, it, it was observational. And one thing I will commend them for is that um, 
they specifically state in the article, like, this was an observational study, so we can't say 100% this is causation. Like, we're showing this is probably related, but they couldn't say with 100% certainty. But the way they actually did it was, like, they were looking at dis observing discipline and then evaluating the children's mental health and their social skills, which I thought was, like, it was, first of all, it was really well explained, but also it was a really well done study in terms of, like, that's the most effective way to measure it. Because it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what leads to, they mention issues like anxiety and depression and aggression in children. It's really hard to pinpoint exactly where those stem from. Yeah, I will say to that, that anytime you get studies like this, sort of the social sciences, and you're studying humans, I think you have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt because humans are, yes. are very complex things. And you can't just have a blanket, this will work, this won't work statement for humans generally. In general, these are, those, are the results we found, but every child is different. Exactly. And here's the, if you are going to take this method, here's the best way that we can tell from how we see it to be effective in your discipline, but that's not to say it will work. But also don't hit your kids. because Not hitting your kids seems like a fairly universal good idea. Yeah. Could you imagine building the actual experiment to test the causational relationship here? Uh, you would not get the ethics approval. <laughs> no, no, you would you not. Need, you need like, 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 three hundred families of of five, where one kid gets beaten, <laughs> one kid gets no discipline whatsoever, and the, and the third kid gets like the 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 naughty step thing. <laughs> uh, I will say they tracked almost. They say they tracked almost fourteen hundred families. That's a lot of families. Well, especially if it's observational, and they're just like. Hey, we're gonna watch you discipline your kids for a bit. Yeah, I just can't well, imagine fourteen hundred. Like this is longitudinal. Longitudinal studies mean that they're done over long periods of time. This was done over eight years. That's mm -hmm. just so much work. My God, so much work for me to then just brush it off and say, "Well, humans are weird, so maybe take it with a grain of salt." Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, no, there is there is something to this in the sense that like the punishment of sending your child to like a corner or to a like to be quiet in a corner or to sit on on a step where they're not getting any form of engagement is backed up by the idea that like, and you see this in uh, pets where it's like, if you give them attention, no matter how negative or positive the attention is, they're going to look for that attention. They're going to hunt for attention just as yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. And so there there's, there's, I think there's more to it than just dismissing it as like people are weird. I think we, I think we are starting to build a bit of a, a correlational or, or observational kind of, presence for this kind of uh starting to perhaps i think we're still far away from saying like definitively do oh, this we'll never be able to say definitively just yeah. Like, yeah yeah that's true we, we essentially never will because science doesn't know your child and and we and and the experiment that you'd have to build to make Wouldn't, a definitive statement would would never pass, pass would ethics never in a million years pass ethics uh this article is essentially split into two where it talks about the paper in the first half and the second half is essentially an interview with uh, one of the authors and pediatric psychologist at the University of Michigan who just sort of goes in detail about if you are going to do timeouts with the kids, the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. I think that was, cool. yeah, that was the coolest part of the paper. In my yeah, I would, I would agree. It's kind of backed up by a lot of what we at least, what we've learned in terms of SciComm about the effective way to communicate with people. It's, you know, you're going to be calm, you're going to be consistent in your messaging, like actually plan out what you're doing beforehand. At, 
they, they really stress the consistent messaging piece too, because you can't just be erratically punishing kids for something because then they're never going to learn anything and they have no idea what they did wrong. You have to be like, okay, this is the type of punishment that gets you told off and this is what gets you sent to your room. And it's the same across the board. Every time you do this, you get sent to your room until you stop doing this. I swear yeah. to God, my mom read this paper. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> she, it's, it's un it wouldn't surprise me if she did read a paper that basically said all this because she's that kind of person. My she traveled into the. She invented a time machine, traveled into the future, and said, "Right, got to find that one BBC article on how to give Ian a timeout." And then you know what? Dip. She's very impressive, though. She's a very impressive woman, and I fear her. I fear <laughs> and respect her, and I've never met. I was going to say we've as, never as met. As you this should. <laughs> Everything you've told me about your mom, Ian, makes me fear and respect her so much. Yeah, shout out to Mrs. Black. Your 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 opinions please her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she approves of me. <laughs> But no, that like the consistency thing is something I see crop up a lot, and I get I say this as someone who's never had kids, uh, but I was a kid. Really? Not not that that counts for anything. Yeah, I've never had kids, but my parents both did. Oh, good <laughs> for them. Um, the consistency is something I've seen crop up a lot with regards to parenting. How like important it is um, over a lot of things that we traditionally think of as being important. Like actually, consistency is what boils down to be the most like yeah stability and having like kind of a kind of a, a stable upbringing is is the best uh yeah the best thing well and we like to think of humans as super complex advanced creatures but if you get down to it we can be trained just as much as pretty much any animal and when you're training a dog you give them the same message over and over again until they learn to do the trick. And when you're training a small human, you do the, you tell them the same thing over and over again until they learn to not throw things at windows. I don't know. I didn't get in trouble much as a kid. Wow. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. No one's surprised by this. Um, I, I realize that I'm trying to ride this fine line of like not being overly critical, but also not being overly positive just because of the nature of studies like this. Essentially, yeah. it's really hard to create like universal statements about humans, and this is about as good as you're gonna do it. But it's hard yeah. it's hard to be overcritical of this because they don't they don't they don't like they aren't like pre presenting this as like well actually they kind of are, I suppose. They, it's they're running a real fine line of like yeah, kind of saying are. that this is absolutely. The more I look fact. at it, the more I think yeah, well, you're right. BBC's doing that a bit more than maybe the study is, because BBC's like timeouts yeah. don't do any harm, which is like, well yeah. You know, reading reading the study they hedge their bets a bit more. Because like it's... I can just I know that there are people out there who are like, I get told so many different things about how to treat my children, I should do this and then I shouldn't do that, and so much of it seems conflicting. It's because we don't know your kid. And also because people are terrible parents always. Yeah, and everybody's kid is going to react differently to different situations. So you, you've got to like make it personal to your situation. Um, I just, mm -hmm. just want to list the six, the six things that the author says are key to using timeouts, which are calmness, consistency, positive environment, planning of the process beforehand, making both parents and children understand it, and avoid shouting. I like planning of the process beforehand. Okay, Timmy, at 8 o'clock, you're going to throw that rock at a window, and then we're going to give you a timeout. I feel, like the, plan, here, I feel like the plan is between the parents, not I know, the I know, I know, I know. I just like the idea of, oh, timeout time. <laughs> Quick, do something wrong. <laughs> uh, last week, Ian, Kyle, and I uh, did something that I hadn't done for a very long time and was very excited to do again, and that was play Orgy. rock band. That was old school rock band one on the Wii. The way it was meant to be played. I I have a so I, I have a potentially hot take with regards to Rock Band. As much as I enjoy Rock Band, Guitar Hero Three is better, man. 
Ooh, I might take some contention with that. It's got the when when you hit the note on Rock Band, I find it really hard to know if you've actually hit the note or not, unless you're like paying attention very closely to the music, mm-hmm. which is only usually usually doable on the guitar, the drums. It's sometimes harder, but like it, it just kind of it just kind of like it just kind of like. Whereas when you hit the note on Guitar Hero, it like explodes in a fiery death. It does do that, which is a lot more noticeable, and so I find it much. Uh, because like there'll be times where I'm playing rock band and I don't realize I'm slightly off. I think I'm hitting the notes, but I'm not actually, for like several beats. Whereas in Guitar Hero, I always know when I miss a note every time. Have you considered just getting better at rock band? Kyle, I'm getting tired of your bullshit. <laughs> all right. I see my my way of ranking like all those type of games is purely by the songs on them. It well, was just the which thing. song had the which game had the better songs, and to me, rock band had the better songs. Yeah, no, the rock band playlist slaps. The rock band playlist is real solid, and Tiger Three was had some had some great ones and had some weird ones too. Yeah, but I also discovered one of my favorite songs on Guitar Hero Three, and that is uh, "Talk Dirty to Me." Oh yeah, yes, you're right. I'm also getting Guitar Hero Three and, and World Tour mixed up. Yeah, World Tour. No, World Tour had some had some bizarre choices. It had a lot more. They went World Tour went with a lot more like longer, slower pieces, like uh, like like some Jimi Hendrix was on there, I think, and there was um, on three. No, World Tour. No, World World Tour had like Purple Haze, like live edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this at home, and I don't know where or wherever you're listening to this, no, you have not traveled back in time. This is 2019, and we are having a serious discussion on Rock Band and Guitar Hero, because these games have not been relevant for sadly a very long time. Sadly. Our second paper today comes from the University of Tennessee. In marriage, conflict is inevitable. Happy couples tend to take a solution-oriented approach to conflict and rarely choose to argue about issues that are more difficult to resolve. A new study suggests that this strategic decision may be one of the keys to marital success. This is essentially guidelines on how to be a happy couple based on actual studies. Yeah. There's not like one straight conclusion from this. It's just a general like science-based couples therapy for everybody don't they say like we observed couples having an argument and they never argued about intimate things they always veered away from that and focused on like things that were easily fixable and i'm like yeah they're not going to have an intimate argument in front of people (laughs) yeah no if you want to hear couples having an intimate argument then just come to my apartment and listen to my downstairs neighbors i didn't realize it was observation i thought it was like self. it was was observation i thought it was self-reporting it too but then i double checked i was like no they're observing this argument and they're they're making they're drawing conclusions by saying that like well clearly they're focusing on solvable problems because you know they they don't want to antagonize their partner or they want to focus on things that can be fixed but it's like you're potentially biasing the the observation by observing it's a weird quantum physics kind of thing (laughs) <laughs> like it's like go in there and have an argument with the spouse we're just gonna watch <laughs> walk in and be like your dick is too small there's a joke in here about the double slit experiment but i'm not gonna make it um <laughs> even if it was self-reported like they're not gonna report like oh yeah we had long arguments about who's worse in bed i like, think you'd get i think you'd get better results if you did have it self i think you you get better probably but yes you'd get better i think but i don't know that you'd still get i think couples still might be hesitant to report all of the arguments they're having which, which is something that isn't cited as a limitation, and it bothered me. They're arguing about whoever signed up for this stupid experiment. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but also the, the people that they observed were people who already described themselves as happy couples, too. Yeah, they, they were focusing on happy couples, yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice uh, the thing about the, the way they did the observational study, but what I did notice is the sample is that they 
took copies of couples who already said they were happily married. Also, the fact that they had couples who were in their mid-30s and then couples in their early 70s and no one in between. So everyone, like, if you're married and you're between 40 and 60, you hate each other. Yep. It's this just is, the rules. This is a no there's fact. no one in your data set. Yep. Also, if you're, like, in your 20s, like, no, no, don't get married because you're going to hate each other until you're 30. That's, See, that's, <laughs> that's, I, that's a really good point, Kyle. And it's something that I wish they'd kind of examined was, like, how do younger couples... Yeah. Like how do, yeah. how do they hold up to this this kind of? Study? I mean, I I do kind of like that they they like took two samplings of like I think they were just trying to hit like recently married versus long term married is I think what yeah. they were trying to do. The average for the couple in their thirties was married for nine years. Like, yeah, they don't really have anyone recently married? But the average could mean that there's like there's a couple of people who have been only married for like two years and a couple of people who have married for like fifteen years and just balanced out to nine. You, but you're not wrong. Yeah, of course I'm not wrong. Okay, and humble. Why be humble when you can be good? I'll tell you something that really pissed me off. So they, they say they say 57 of the couples were in their mid to late 30s and had been married an average of nine years, and 64 of the couples were in their early 70s. They write out 50 hyphen seven and then just write the number 64. That's because that's for a reason. You're not supposed to start a sentence with a number. Grammar. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Really? If you're yeah, if you're writing a like, it's okay to use uh written as numbers within a sentence but when you are starting a sentence you have to write out the number really as a word yeah you can't yeah grammatically speaking you're not allowed to start with a number kyle's correct you cannot you cannot start you cannot start a sentence with a with a number kyle is completely correct well can i just say because i didn't know that rule uh that's a dumb rule because it bugged me and i don't like being bugged but you know what? Grammar doesn't care about your feelings. But that's the point of grammar is to make things, is to make people less bugged by things. And it's just, just write 57. No, the point of grammar is to punch you in the <sighs> face and tell you you're wrong. It does. I mean, it does do that a lot. It's doing a very good job at that. Um, okay. So yes, we have, we've correctly identified some, some issues with this. Uh, you want to look at the conclusions anyways? With all the issues in the study and the fact that, I mean, like, and maybe it's because I, my parents are in a happy and satisfied relationship where I have seen them argue, but mostly about solvable things. I kind of read this and I was like, yeah, duh. But like, it's still, it does point out like a, some valid points. Like if you're always arguing about stuff you can't fix, then you never solve stuff. So you don't have confidence in your relationship. So you continue to argue and then stuff falls apart. Like that, that is logic that tracks. Yeah. Like, as I said at the beginning, this sort of feels more like just professionals telling you what their years of experience have yeah told them and it's less like here are these hard numbers to back it up and more of just like here's what we've observed over years of doing these type of things it, it felt like we know this already but we want to have a data to prove it so here's our attempt at a study to prove which it. is a very dangerous thing to do in science which is to start with your conclusions and then try to find studies to back it up yeah well it's it's an observational study it's not it's not meant to be um yeah exactly like it's not meant to be like the, the reason they don't have all the things that we kind of pointed out that they don't have, like, you know, people who are younger and and stuff like that, people within 30 and 70s, because they're not making any comparisons. They're not comparing anything, yeah. right? Yeah. They're just yeah. saying, this is what we found. And that's totally yeah. fine. That's totally, uh, that's totally valid way to run a study. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, it's one of those, like, caveats, I think, with these type of studies where it's like, it's not perfect, but there's no better way to do it. Yeah. That we have so far. I did kind of yeah. like how they bring up or I'm pretty sure they bring up that like happy couples tend to focus on solutions rather than just hammer home the problems over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Like they tend to be like, like they don't even really argue about the problem. They're actually arguing about the solutions. 
Yeah, and at that point, you're not really even arguing. You're having a, a debate, p- potentially loud discussion. Yeah, but you're actually like, it's it's interplay. It's not just two people shouting their feelings at each other. It actually leads to something constructive, which is good in a relationship. And so some of the some of the big conclusions. I think the biggest conclusion was like solution oriented, and don't just don't just focus on like what the problem is and whose fault it is. Focus on like what are you going to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also starting starting with problems that are easily solvable is a good idea it's almost like just getting a win like you just need to get a couple easy wins under your belt Mm -hmm. to like figure out how to tackle start with easy bosses like level yourself up in a relationship start with like the farm the easy in a relationship you gotta grind you gotta tackle the small bosses and work your way up until you can just decimate the larger ones because you've been hiding in the woods fighting goblins yeah start with what's recycling what's trash and then level yourself up until you can talk about his tiny penis Our third and final paper of the day comes from the American Psychological Association. Racial stereotyping might be one reason some continue to blame video games for school shootings, suggests a new U.S. study. When shooting occurred at a school, video games were 8.35 times more likely to be discussed when the shooter was white than when he was black. Uh, If you had told me that we were going to talk about uh, an article that involved both racial stereotyping and video games, and it was going to make video games look good... I would not have believed you. I was going to say that I read the title of this paper and was prepared to do some dunking on like psychology papers because it's honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't keen on the title. And then I read the rest of the paper. and I was like, oh, dang, this is good. This is a good study. I have, I have my issues with this study. So that's interesting. Like I, there, there are definitely issues with it. I think I have more issues with the, the write up than necessarily the study itself. Well, I couldn't read the write-up for some reason. It wouldn't load, so I have oh. I have just the paper itself. Oh no, that's what I meant. Like I meant the write-up of the paper. Oh, okay. It's like yeah. it's like four pages or something, and I feel like it should be way longer. I I thought this was really cool because I've never thought of it this way. Mm-hmm. Like I've you I've obviously heard the argument, you know, video games make people violent, and I've actually had conversations with people involved in the criminal justice system who have said that when they talk to certain. Um, uh, violent criminals they do cite video games as like a driver like it's like oh i want to you know video games kind of glorify it but i think i think if you look at human history and the research out there that's used more of an excuse like they would find another form of glorification if it wasn't video yeah. games it's film if it's not film it's theater if it's not theater it's you know it's, history or it's sports sports or like the, the, we are violent people yeah. and we need an outlet and like some for some people video games are the outlet for that violence and other times it's tackling some dude who has a leather ball that you want more than him so this this is a quote directly from the paper research has consistently found that violent video games are not related to real world acts of violence yeah which i think is is accurate because if you look at how much violence has occurred before video games ever existed it's impossible to say that Mm -hmm. and there's a reason like we get these papers from reddit there's a reason that this was upvoted on reddit because Reddit loves like talking about how video games don't cause violence, which is fair. Which is fair because they don't, and people keep saying that they do. Now, who wants to um, deal with racism? Uh, we should probably preface this: everybody on this podcast is white. Yes. Some of us super white, blindingly white. <laughs> yeah, like pale beacons are lit white. The study found that in a fake news story, 
people are more likely to believe that. So when given a fake news story that presents a violent perpetrator of who is either white or black, they're more likely to believe that if they are white, then the reason they committed this violent action is because of video games, because white people could never do a violence ever. I don't know if they never. say that last video bit. games made them do it. There's, there's actually two studies that this paper talks about. Yeah, one is the one Kyle just mentioned, and the other one is an analysis on over 200,000 newspaper, uh, yeah, newspaper articles yeah. discussing over uh, discussing 204 mass shootings. And I think the second study is really important. Yes, because I, I like not, the second study more. It's not. Yeah. It's not just that there's like this kind of racial stigma that if you're if you're white, then we should blame video games for your actions. It's like that is that is actually kind of um, propagated in the media. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not defending the stigma. I'm just saying that it's something that it's it's a systemic issue. It's 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 a systemic absolutely. issue. Well, it 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 also comes up in the media too a lot of the time when you have um I mean recently in the U.S. for sure whenever there's a shooting and the perpetrator is a white male they always come out and say. You know, he he was a good boy. He would have never done something like this before. Like he was just a sweet boy who went to church and loved his family. And these violent video games made him a criminal. And yeah. then he went and started shooting up a bunch of people. Not that he, not because he's racist. Not because white people historically have done tons of violence. No, no. And that argument, never. that argument really infuriates me because it, it. And we were talking about how like the complexity of humans. It it oversimplifies human decision making. Yeah, like we're really we're really bad as a species for this. We 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 tend to have this drive to want to make everyone else really simple and us really complica- complicated. If someone cuts you off while you're driving, it's because they're an asshole, and that's the only reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. If someone yeah. commits a violent act, it's there's one reason why they did it, and and that's that's it. We found it. We've identified it. We can target that enemy. Where it's like chances are there's probably a multitude of things that coalesce to make this, you know, to yield this this result. So he, mm-hmm. here's my hot take on this. Um, I, I when we see somebody do something like a school shooting, which to us is like unimaginable, and if we see the person is white, then to us as or to me as a white person, it's like you, there's a connection there. You can you feel maybe not accurately, but you feel like you can understand something about him, like who this person is, because he shares traits with you. I think that's just natural. And then, mm-hmm. so when they do something that then you can't imagine possibly doing, it's like something must have gone wrong he started out similar to me and then something has gone wrong so we need to find that thing to blame to say why he did the thing he did where Mm -hmm. if they're a different skin color then as stupid as it sounds like there's just an instinct to say i know less about this person now even though that doesn't make any sense and they have probably way more similarities than they have differences to you there's that feeling of like there's something different so now it's easier to just say that's just the way he is so you don't necessarily need that excuse. Yeah, I mean, this is all speculative, at least coming from me. But I, I certainly do see that kind of like that mentality of, of, you know, I'm in a very similar culture. This person did this horrible thing. You know, where's the where's the enemy? Where's the where's the thing that caused it? Rather than focusing on like you, 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 you immediately like when it comes to school shootings. And I, and you, I do see this. You, you kind of zero in on the, the shooter as like almost a victim. In a weird yeah. way. Kind of. And, it, and it, as it turns out, especially if they're white. Yeah. We, we see them as more of a victim if they look more like us. Well, and I just, one of the, there's a, a really good chart in here too, when they talked about the, um, the newspaper study, which I thought was really, really 
cool to like the the way that they did that study and look at how the media sort of propagates this issue and uh, increases it. Um, when so they looked at school uh, incidences of mass shootings that were done at schools and not at schools. And video games were brought up about equally. If it's a non-school shooting, regardless of the race of the perpetrator, video games are brought up as a factor about equally. But when it's a school shooting, if the perpetrator is a white student at a school committing a shooting, video games skyrocket because it's so much easier to blame. This is a young person who plays violent video games and therefore commits violence rather than actually addressing the real issue, which is systemic racism exists and horrible things like bullying that drive people to shootings exists and um, racist actions and racist media drive people to commit shootings in schools. And it's so much easier to just point the finger at video games than address real systemic problems in society. Well, I just, we're not necessarily trying to say that like racism is causing school shootings. This is more talking about uh, the reaction to those shootings yeah. is mm-hmm. also Also, I want to bring up, talking about this graph, I don't think any of these results are statistically significant. Yeah, okay, so that's that's the other thing. I think the the main takeaway from this article is solid. I think you can say that video games are used as a scapegoat only when there's a white shooter, not when a black one. But there's it's hard to say much more than that because of either the way they did the study or the way it was written up in this paper because there's a lot here that I, they don't explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, they only, even when it's a white school shooter, so the most amount of time they're ever going to talk about video games is still less than 7%. It's 6.8%. That's not a whole lot. It's, yeah. It's definitely, like, it's definitely happening, but it's not like all of the media has teamed up to say it's video games. It's still pretty rare. Um, but also, uh, 204,000 articles based on 204 mass shootings, that implies 100,000 articles per mass shooting. That sounds like a lot. I'm assuming some of those are repeats. But like different papers and that's the thing is that you might like how many of those papers is like one paper or one article mentioning video games that then is spread around a whole bunch of different uh papers yeah how many of it is that one onion article that gets shared after every single yeah, i'm ever? i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say they didn't include the onion but who knows basically the way they did this study is they had the two hundred thousand um or articles And then they added an additional search term that said video games and that returned, that limited their search and that was used to calculate their percentage. So they're like, okay, we started with 200,000, we add the word video games as a search term and now we have 6,000. Yeah, or it could have just been this kid, the kid who did the shooting, you know, his friends thought he was a a decent person and liked sports and video games and like, that's it. it. It sounds like it just, if it includes the words video games, it gets counted as discussing it. As as someone who spent a lot of time doing qualitative research analysis, and I'm like Ian as someone who spent a lot of time doing qualitative analysis on newspapers, this is not how you do a newspaper study. It's not yeah. how I would. It's not how I would have done it. I mean, your way would have taken longer, though. Yeah, and maybe they were trying. They're they're clearly trying to show something different because I, I again mm-hmm. I would have focused more on like okay, how often do newspapers discuss video games, and then what are they saying around video games. Mm-hmm. Like are, like Alan was saying, are they actually blaming them or are they just mentioning it as a thing with the person, like in, the, in an obituary or something? I still mm-hmm. would say, and I'm, but I like not necessarily 100% confident, but I would say that the difference between like 6.8 and 0.5 is enough to say that, yes, there is a difference depending on the race of the shooter. Yes. 
I would I would still stand by that. Honestly, this is one paper where I can say 100% like to the listener out there, if you can find the time, read it because it's so hard to do this justice verbally because there's there's a lot to it and I wish there was more to it. And with that, we are all out of time. I was your host, Alan Collier, and for Kyle Bine and Ian Black, I thank you for listening and we will see you next week. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>